HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Bonnie knows when you plant something, it keeps on giving. Growing from friend to neighbor to community. Generations of gardeners have trusted Bonnie for fresh, healthy vegetable and herb plants. Rely on Bonnie for quality plants, help, and support. Bonnie, gardening with you since 1918. BonniePlants.com You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member-supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e-newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us, and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli. And before we get started today, I um, just want to make a quick announcement that May is actually our Heritage um, Radio Network membership drive. So uh, it's definitely something that, that is absolutely worth doing. Before I was a host on this uh, network, I was a member. And um, you can sign up at, at heritageradionetwork.org. Click the donate button, and then there are different levels of membership. But at all all levels, you will get a, uh, a membership card, which entitles you to a ton of great discounts, uh, information on on events, and uh, the good feeling of knowing you're supporting uh, uh, what I think is a pretty great radio station. So um, thanks so much for that. And uh, without further ado, we have uh, today on the show um, someone I very much look up to in, in the industry. Um, a, a, a veteran, a, a true uh, 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 professional. It's Olivier Floss. He's the uh, wine and beverage director for the Mark Restaurant Group um, here in the United States. Uh, they actually also have four great restaurants over in the UK. Um, but the restaurants here in the U.S., we have the two Avoce restaurants, both at Columbus Circle and then um, down by Madison Square Park, and then Morello Bistro in Greenwich, Connecticut, and Bistro du Midi in um, Boston, Massachusetts. So, uh, Olivier, thank you so much for being on the show. 
thank you to invite me. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I should also say, uh, congratulations. Last year, you uh, were one of four restaurants in uh, the United States, the only restaurant in the uh, the U.S. to win the Grand Award from Wine Spectator. That's a huge accomplishment. Um, congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. It has been uh, almost uh, 10 years working hard to, to, to get it, and finally uh, light came from, uh, I don't know where, but we, we got it and extremely, extremely proud to... Uh, to uh, for this accomplishment and and uh, for all the customers who's coming to the restaurant to see uh, amazing and very balanced wineista. And what do you think were the the factors that got you to that point? I mean, obviously the uh, the partners in the restaurant had to say, "Wow, we are going to make this decision to have an enormous amount of inventory." That has to be a challenging, uh, you know, thing to convince anyone to do. Um, how how did that kind of all come about? Um, when we opened uh, Time Warner about three and a half years ago, the, the project for the beverage was, uh, number one project was to, to, to try to get the Grand Award because I'm sure you know uh, uh, many people try for 10 to 15 to 20 years to, to try to get it and unfortunately they don't get uh, select. So it was kind of uh, a, a risk to to uh, get a huge inventory, but uh, as well, it was uh, something exciting on the, on the other hand. And uh, we decided to really balance uh, our wine, uh, wine list, uh, not only with the top winery, with the best vintages, but what I think is extremely important is to have the percentage of your wine under $90, a very high level. And that is, uh, was for me the focus. Wine is for everybody and you don't have to spend uh, $200 to, to get a very good bottle of wine or you don't have to spend $15 to have a nice glass mm. of wine. So we have been selected uh, very carefully. Uh, of course, with quality, but uh, about the price range as well. Now, with even with 250 bottle wine lists like like we have at our restaurants, I find sometimes there are bottles that that just don't move nearly as as well as I like to. You know, I do inventory month after month and count those same bottles over and over again. Um, with an enormous wine list, how many selections are there? By the way, we do have 2,800 selections. 2,800 selections. I mean, there have to be some wines that just simply don't move and then especially at those kind of under $90 point price point wines you know if those if those don't move then they're not maybe necessarily getting too much better year to year how do, how do you kind of handle with uh, controlling inventory and making sure that that you have a nice rotation um I do have the chance to have an incredible team behind me and uh, we're doing quite a lot of meeting uh, weekly uh, meeting and we always first thing that we're doing, we're looking at the inventory. Mm. Uh, I always said that uh, a wine list is not a museum. Okay, there is some wine they have to move. Uh, very, very important. So when we do have some wine from a specific area and, and very uh, kind of unusual grape that people are not aware and not uh, uh, not exciting to order, so it has to be from us to go to the guest and saying, listen, I do have a very good uh, what wine from uh, from uh, Piemonte, from Sicily, from Sardinia, some areas that they are maybe not aware. So it has to be definitely uh, uh, an approach from us to them.
And then how do you go about training your team of sommeliers um, to deal with such a huge, <laughs> with such a huge list with with twenty eight hundred selections? I mean, obviously, no one can know every single one of them. Uh, what's your approach to, to Alors, our that? wine list, as you said, 2,800 selection is already 60% of Italian wine mm. and 20% French wine and 20%, of course, uh, American wine. So basically, uh, there is 20 regions in Italy, uh, some very weird grape, but that is part of the training and is part as well of uh, a sommelier job to trying to move your mind to a different set is not only uh, one from Piemonte and Tuscany. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, wine from uh, Veneto or from or from uh, Aglianico grape, kind of strange grape, but you know it's very important to be aware of this type of thing. So we're doing quite a lot of lot of testing, almost daily. But the very big meeting is is weekly. Okay, and you're doing daily tasting with the service staff or daily tasting with your team of Somalia? Every, every, uh, every single night uh, during pre-shift, mm -hmm. we're testing one different wine or one different cocktail. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot test more than that because, as we said, it's a testing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I believe it's enough. And, and it's not only to get a training at the restaurant, what is important. In our business, you, you must love what you're doing. So you have to go a little bit behind that, behind the training that you get from the restaurant and, and find with internet or buy book and train to be, uh, you know, uh, more knowledgeable about, about, about wine. You're right. So not only would it be um, you're, you're training people and they can do a better job, but that should also kind of be like a perk, right? A perk to working in a great restaurant like Avoce is that you're going to get to taste a wine every day at pre-shift and by, and with with the team of sommeliers or, or hopefully with, with you as well uh, and learn quite a bit about that. And so the people who have that passion look at that as a perk. We, there is one thing that I want to say mm -hmm. about that. We, I always said sharing is caring. Okay, and, and that is one of them about testing. Uh, every single night, w w we are uh, very fortunate to open unbelievable bottle of wine. And sommelier, as his duty, is to test the wine before we, we pour that to the, to the customer. Uh, we always, whatever we're we pouring, it has to be for all the sommelier team. Okay, I'm not saying that we're pouring a full glass, but we have just to smell and test a little bit enough to everybody can can have a test so if we're selling as an example i, I received the report last night uh, almost 10 incredible wine okay uh, you have physically the test every single night of different wine so some of them are more uh, focused of testing burgundy wine so they're going to orientate their sell a little bit according to of course number one what the guest want but second thing about what they would like to test as well yeah, I, I agree with you that this idea of sharing is caring. I think one of the saddest scenes I've ever seen in any movie was in Sideways, where he takes the bottle of 61 Cheval Blanc and drinks it by himself in a styrofoam cup. Like, that is so sad to me. He was, he was, he was, yeah, you're right. You're right. But you at know, least he was drinking that. Yeah. Better than drinking a soda. That, I guess that's <laughs> true. But to, to share that with... You know, with one other person would be incredible, and even three other people, even though you get less of it, I think to, to share that joy and to feed off of everyone's enthusiasm for it makes it an even better experience. 
it doesn't matter the quality of wine that mm. you're testing for me is where you sharing with this wine and that is extremely important so if then if you don't have any knowledge about wine what is important is sharing a good time hopefully with with wine but that is what for me extremely important mm. now you can i can tell by your accent that you're from new jersey so no, no, brooklyn no. brooklyn, oh, brooklyn. Okay. <laughs> um how did uh uh no i i know from uh, that that you're actually born in marseille france uh but how Um, how did you get into wine? What were some of your earliest memories? I just have this idea of, of little French kids, uh, you know, drinking a little bit of wine at, at the table. Did that happen for you? Um, it happened to me. I, I do have a very clear uh, memory of that. Uh, I was between 11 to 12 years old, and uh, um, every Sunday we were having dinner with all the family. And my grandfather uh, used to have amazing wine cellar underground. And for me, the dream of the day was going with him downstairs and pick up the wine for the day. And he was talking to me about this grape region in France. And I was really was not paying too much attention. But what I do remember, it was the smell of this wine cellar. And, and, and I do remember as well, before everybody was coming, when he was opening the wine to be on a good temperature, he was not really sophisticated wine, mm -hmm. okay? But again, he was sharing this, for him, best wine in the world, okay, with his, uh, with his family. And, and, and he's, he's incredible. I was testing with him, I do remember, I was testing wine just a little bit, but enough to, to, to remember it. At 11 and 12 years old. Yes, why yeah, not? Why not? It's a good <laughs> education. It's testing, not drinking. Mm -hmm. and, and I do believe, I do have two kids, and I do believe my kids do not drink, do not test any wine, but they smell each individual of wine that I'm opening at home. And, and, and that is starting early to understand what is about the wine, the history, the geography, and, and, and his lifestyle as well. Uh, sometimes we think too much about negativity. Yes, is alcohol. Yeah, of course, of course. But what is behind that? And starting early for education is is uh, is uh, is is important. Yeah. And then, what was your first experience in a restaurant as a uh, working in restaurant? Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was 14 years old, and I was not doing very good on school. And my parents, for punishment, decide uh, for July and August, instead of to spend time with my friend on the beach, uh, decide to put me on a restaurant business and to work extremely hard. And they let me for, 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 for two months uh, in this restaurant over there. And after two months, they came back and they say, oh, you learned something. I say, oh, yeah, I learned something. I want to work in a restaurant business. <laughs> so for them, they were really like, you know, they didn't didn't understand too much why why do you like it is really something very difficult i said yes it is difficult but i do have contact with people and that is really mm -hmm. what i like and that was really for me the beginning of 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 almost 25 years now and what would they let a 14 year old do in the restaurant is uh, is very simple i was cleaning at mm -hmm. the morning vegetables uh, after i was cleaning the kitchen floor Uh, for lunch, I was making sandwiches. Uh, during afternoon, refill the bar with uh, with uh, soda and wine. And at night, uh, I was making coffee, and I was not paid. 
<laughs> and you weren't paid. I was not paid. No, no, Why? no. I was not paid because that was a punishment. But I love it. It was, it was, uh, it was. I was not missing water. I was not missing food. I was sleeping at night, and yeah. and I had a very good time. I had a really, really good time. And you knew from that point. So did you go back next summer or what happened? No, no, no. The, 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 the year after, uh, I had the chance to get inside of the um, uh, Lycée Hôtelier. is is a school for um, for become chef or, or, or waiter. And I did that for two years. And lucky enough... One of my stage, stages that I did in one of the restaurants, he was uh, in a very well-known restaurant, Le Petitnis, three-star Michelin, with an unbelievable uh, wine cellar. And, and at this time, uh, the, the uh, assistant sommelier broke his legs, and he was during the high season. So no other things to do is to help the sommelier, because I was, the guy was uh, not paid. So I was helping him for, for, for quite a long time. And the guy never came back. So they asked me, would you like to carry on? I said, yes, I would like to. But could you send me to the sommelier school as well? So we make like a, a special deal. They send me to the school and I work for them for, for a year. And, and lucky enough to, to be with one of the best sommeliers in France at this time. And that everything starts at this time. Wow. After I, mont- I went to, uh, to Bordeaux for seven years, mm-hmm. uh, I went to the University of Wine in Talence, where I met maybe the, one of the best winemakers in the world. Uh, and after I came back to South Wait, of France... who is this one of the best wine? Uh, you can't just throw that I out mean, there I mean, without I, saying who I it had, is. <laughs> I had the chance to meet people from Chateau Iquem, mm-hmm. from Petrus, from Lafitte, Latour... But the main guy who really changed my mind and made me really focus on wine was Mr. Ribero Gaillon. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away now, but he was really the gentleman mm-hmm. who has wine philosophy. And and, uh, uh, and did you find that, that Burgundy and, and those wines were the first that you were really drawn to? But I, I was in Bordeaux at this time, oh. so uh, narrow mind French people over there was drinking mostly oh, only Bordeaux. So I have to move to I have to move to Burgundy to starting to test Burgundy, uh, and after I move to I move to London and that is where I really have the opportunity to test wine from uh, everywhere in the world. So that, okay. uh, yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break. I want to hear about uh, what was going on when you were in London uh, just after this short break. This song is called Melted Magic by Obesity on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
knows when you plant something, it keeps on giving. Growing from friend to neighbor to community. Generations of gardeners have trusted Bonnie for fresh, healthy vegetable and herb plants. Rely on Bonnie for quality plants, help, and support. Bonnie, gardening with you since 1918. BonniePlants.com and we're back on In the Drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Uh, I'm here with Olivier Floss, and uh, we were about to talk about uh, some of Olivier's experiences in London. But during the break, I was uh, just commenting to Olivier how cool I thought that story was about how we got the opportunity um, to work when the other sommelier, when the sommelier broke his legs at uh, Le Poutinis, a three Michelin star restaurant. Uh, but what I didn't realize when he was telling me was that during that year where they asked him to work for uh, work in, in that guy's place, um, it was actually an entire year working for free. It was a stage for a whole year, 14-hour days, you're telling me. We were, I, I was working six days a week, uh, uh, an average of 14 hours a day. And the stage, yes, 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 no, no money at all, zero. I was uh, lucky enough that uh, <laughs> I was staying to my parents' house and, uh, and, um, and spending a lot of time uh, at the restaurant. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, and so then when you... Uh, came up with this idea that they should send you to school. The, a school, I imagine, was somewhat costly, and so you're like, well, at least pay me by sending me to the school, and they agreed to that. But in fact, uh, because I left school when I was 14, uh, French system couldn't allow me to go back to school because I left at 14. And the, the, the director of the school was not at all happy with that because, you know, you cannot be very good in school, but it doesn't mean you are a good, bad person. Uh, and a perfect example with me, <laughs> and I'm sure with millions of other people. So he said, let's go to take an example of something who didn't go well in school, but can do something else outside of study, mathematics, and, and languages, whatever it, it was. Uh, so they put me back in the sommelier school, and he he asked me, you have to finish number one because you will be an example for the rest of the people. And, and I worked very, very hard. I was doing service and between my break, when I had a break, I was taking my book and, and reading. So it was completely a non-stop. The other 11 students, they were already in a high-end school. So they were studying all day long. They were not working at the restaurant. I was the only one. And, and finally, after one year, um, uh, it was the exam, and I finished number one to thanks the, the, the president of the school. I went back to his restaurant, three-star Michelin, and, and I said, uh, I want to pay my due. I want to still work with you mm -hmm. for one year. You don't have to pay me, but at the end of the year, I want you to send me whatever I want. And he said, okay, it's a done deal. So I finished my year with him, and he sent me in Bordeaux, is capital of the world for, 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 for wine and especially for young sommeliers. And I, and I do remember when I turned 18 years old, I was driving my Fiat Panda 1000 CL. And when everybody was doing making party, when you are 18, is kind of a big deal. I drove from Marseille to Bordeaux. It was a 15-hour drive. And, and at night, I walked over there my first shift. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And, 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 and that was the beginning of a long story, seven years in Bordeaux. And, and they sent me to the University of Wine, where I got the DUAD. Uh, DUAD is the most prestigious um, diploma for testing, for wine testing. We were 500 people and they get only 10. So, so, can, so I, you go from 14-year-old high school dropout to the most prestigious diploma, number one in your class. He was, he, 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 you know, he's, he, and I'm, hopefully my son and my daughter doesn't listen to that because <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing them to go as high as they can in a, in, a, in, in a school system. But it doesn't matter. It's not because you are not good mm -hmm. in school that you are completely right. bad in your life. And unfortunately, the system that we do have sometimes is, is kind of like that. But I, I, I've been lucky. I work very hard as well. But you, you, to success, you must have a big part of, uh, of chance. And, and I met Daniel here mm -hmm. uh, when I arrived in 99. And Daniel has been for me uh, an incredible uh, example of a French guy coming here and, 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 and getting a success as, as he has been yeah, doing. He, he did pretty well. Pretty good, yes. yes, yes. Um, you know, I've heard uh, criticism from a lot of chefs that uh, a lot of the people that, that they get and that they see now, this new wave, maybe don't have the kind of work ethic that, um, that maybe they were used to in the past. I'm sure that you, you mean, you, you've... You've did everything that you've done by your extraordinary, as you've shown, extraordinary work ethic. Are you finding that the new breed of sommeliers, the people who are coming to you, who, who you're interviewing, um, share that kind of desire? Uh, not really. I'm agree with you. Uh, ma many, many, many of uh, young sommeliers uh, want to become uh, a wine director before to be an assistant sommelier uh, and everything takes time uh, to become uh, somebody who can take good decision experience nothing can happen on, on one night and and not only that really uh, uh, not make me very happy with that is, is right away they're talking about money and, and, and that is something that really like shocked me uh, I never talk about money Uh, almost until I came here, mm -hmm. uh, and and they right away want to be uh, the best guy. Want to buy? They don't want to have this contact with the customer. But if you you don't please your customer, people don't come back to your restaurant. And and it's not like it used to be 20 years ago or 25 years ago. You were going to a restaurant because the food was very good, but you were not thinking too much about the service. Now, you can go to a restaurant. It doesn't have to be amazing food if the food is good at a good price, but you have an incredible service. People come back. And, and, and that is very important to put this, this quality in their mind and let them understand it, that they are the number one PR of the restaurant is the front of the house. And um, yes, they want to go a little bit too fast sometimes. And I've heard that from a lot of friends who have moved out of the city, who've gotten used to uh, a level of, of service that you see in, in New York City. And, and obviously, it's not everywhere in, in New York. But, um, you know, I think that service is what defines a good restaurant from a great restaurant and, and what does bring people back. And I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Service 
is not something that you're doing just for two hours and get your your, your paycheck. Is is something that you do have inside. You have to be somebody that is very happy about yourself first to make people happy. Yeah. If you're coming and you have a, a big issue in your life and you're starting to take order, you're not going to be polite. You're not going to smile. Uh, and, and, and I'm trying to explain all of them. You welcome your people in your house. Okay? Mm-hmm. Your restaurant is your house. Are you welcoming people with a, a sad face? No. You welcome them with a happy face. And and. It's difficult to, to, to explain that to them. You have to have that in you. Yes. That, that inside yes, of you. yes. Um, so tell me, uh, because I think it's interesting that, you ha- that you're that you in charge of four different programs in quite different areas, right? In uh, One in uh, Columbus Circle, one by Madison Square Park, one in Greenwich, uh, Morello, and Bistro Midi in Boston. Um, four uh, kind of very different areas. How do you cater the wine list to the clientele in those areas? Um, I always um, I always say that a wine list is according to what the guest would like to have. It's not mm. according to your own test. So it's a very good point. An example, uh, Boston uh, is a French bistro. Okay? So... Um, when I had the chance to have my, my, my sommelier Todd over there, I said, Todd, what do you think about Boston? I'm not from Boston, I'm from New York. So you know better than me the market. And, and he gave me a lot of information. And according to that, we, we build up um, a, a wine list that uh, has been a successful wine list and, and, and please a, a, a lot of people. Uh, you cannot do everything by yourself. Uh, as, as I said before, it's a, it's a, it's a team effort. And um, I do have different sommeliers in each individual restaurant who give, give me the, some information that are useful for the benefit of the restaurant and the one list, and more important, to please the customer. Yeah, yeah. And so do you have each of them buying? Uh, do you have someone who kind of buys and you set a, a list for them, what they yeah, can buy? Yeah, we, we, as, as I said before, we have a weekly uh, meeting. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, our uh, PO every single week. We discuss about the need uh, and, and, and we decide together and uh, that's it. Okay, so something that I've always wanted to ask you um, because you have the Avoce restaurants that are predominantly Italian wines. You grew up in France, worked and studied in, in Bordeaux, uh, came to the States, worked for Danielle. Uh, when did you, why Italian? When did you fall in love with but, Italian? Uh, I'm from Marseille, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, so it's not too far away from, from Italy. Uh, so I had the chance uh, many times to, to visit uh, Italy. And, uh, and uh, when I was in England... I was lucky enough to, uh, to uh, one of the sommeliers was Italian guy and he started to introduce me about Italian wine and I really, really like it. An example, Piemonte for me is a really uh, close uh, picture of what is Burgundy. So I start to understand more Piemonte because with his link, or if you take the example of Tuscany, it's more close to Bordeaux style as well. And that is where I start to study uh, Italian wine. And you know, uh, when you love wine, there is not uh, there is not a frontier, there is not a barrier, there is no line like wine from Argentina, Chile, Italy, uh, and, and US. US amazing, amazing uh, uh, winery and incredible quality of wine. 
I've been uh, completely impressed by U.S. wines and never thought we'd ever have a California Chardonnay on any of our lists ever, ever, ever. And now we're pouring one by the glass at Lopicho, <laughs> and it's like completely uh, blowing my mind. So, so it's a smart move because you adapt yourself according to the need of the customer. Yes. So that is, you're doing very good. But also the, the smart move of being just op more open-minded and... Um, I, I thought it, they actually did not think that the the kind of wines that I liked in in Tuscany and in, uh, in in just any, anywhere in Europe uh, even existed in California, and they do, and they're so great. And you have these beautiful coastal wines that are that are balanced and, and just wonderful. I believe the positive thing that uh, coming from uh, Napa Valley is the change of their mind. Okay, and because the change of their mind is was from the change of the palate of their customer. Mm -hmm. Not anymore high-end alcohol contained in a Chardonnay or extremely oaky uh, Chardonnay or full-body Cabernet. Now they are more focused on the finesse, elegance, and, and a better balance. And, and, and when you eat or drink this type of wine, you enjoy better yourself, you enjoy better your company, and, and you know, you're not getting... Uh, completely full after after two glasses and and they make a huge difference and the quality is there yeah i i completely agree with you again ah I, nothing to disagree with you <laughs> uh thank you so much for sharing your, your story uh i think it's uh pretty remarkable uh if anyone wants a a, a job at avote you should listen to olivier to to this because uh, and understand what, what working hard is really all about and also showcasing hospitality and passion and professionalism. Thank you so much. My uh, pleasure to be here. And just a reminder, um, go to heritageradionetwork.org and click that button, donate to be a member. All right, thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.